Hi, welcome to the Bread Podcast, which stands for beauty, response, and expression in art and daily life. We're your hosts. I'm Andy. And I'm Ariel. In this podcast, we discuss how as Christians and artists, we express and respond to God's creative nature. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. We are here on call with none other than Julie Yeon Kim. She is an artist in every sense of the word. She's a singer, songwriter. She's a writer, a worship leader. She's currently pursuing a master's in theology at Fuller Seminary. And she's also a lecturer of Asian American studies at Cal State Long Beach. We are so honored to have you here, Julie. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, thank you, Julie, for being here. Okay, Julie, so first question. It's a two-part question, so if you need me to repeat it, just let me know. Okay, so first is, what do you consider an artist? And when did you first consider yourself an artist? Oh my gosh, you're starting with the big stuff. Okay. Um, <laughs> what do I consider an artist? Yes. That's the first part. You know, sometimes I can be kind of a traditionalist and a purist and say an artist is someone who makes crafted, beautiful, but also unique and, you know, revelatory things. And that's kind of the traditional side of me. Um, but I think an artist is Anyone who can express some sort of truth with craft, someone who can see things differently, uh, whether it be the world or whether it just be like some sort of, I don't know, like a book, the way the light hits the book, right? Someone who has a vision into something else. Um, so I think an artist is really someone with a different kind of sight. I think something that rings in my head, especially like the last couple of months, especially us being in the pandemic, is I saw like this meme, this chart about like essential jobs, essential work. And I'm sure maybe some of you guys saw it too. Like being an artist is like deemed kind of like not essential, almost non-essential. But there was like a quote that went along with that meme from an artist's point of view where it was like, art isn't essential, but art is powerful, right? So I wanted to know like in your own words, uh, Julie, what do you hope that your art can do for others? I want to add something before I go into that because I've seen that that meme too um, and it was like a graphic design mm, yeah, yeah. and what's hilarious is that the person who put the graphic design together was a graphic designer is <laughs> an artist mm-hmm. so how how are we going to say that artists are unessential non-essential when they are the ones carrying that conversation and, mm-hmm. and bringing it to to be so that I just thought that was really ironic and funny um what I hope, I think at the end of the day, um, my biggest vision is that I hope that my art can point people to God. Um, I'm a really big believer that we create because we were created um, and that our way of relating to the Lord, our way of um, being like him and practicing that image that he gave us is to be creative as well. And that that doesn't necessarily have to be with art. I think it could be in the way we think. Um, I think staircases, I know this is going to sound stupid, but I think staircases are really creative. Like, can you imagine before we had stairs, everything was one floor, you know, one story. But someone had the creative idea to say, hey, let's make a second floor on this terrain. And anyway, so I think creativity manifests in multiple ways. But yeah, I I would like for people to be pointed to God. Um, I think also that there's something so beautiful about creation that gives us peace, but that also reminds us that 
man, someone who is not loving could not have made such beautiful things. Like you, you can't get an angry person, angry, unloving God and expect him to make mountains and valleys and flowers, you know, and stars. And it's just kind of crazy to me uh, to think about that. But yeah, I, I think the biggest goal is to reveal God mm. and his love. That's good. So earlier you were talking about how people view mostly like the visual arts as artists, but you are more of a performing artist. For someone who is involved in the performing arts, how do you make it more about worship when you're in that moment of performing rather than self-glorification? Because I think it's very easy, even for Christians, to fall into that trap, especially when you get complimented a lot and people are like always like singing your praises and it's very easy to get like yeah, yeah, you know, like all that, you know? <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, and we live in a society where we like to be individualistic and recognize one another, but be recognized ourselves. I had a really long journey with the question of, you know, Christian pride, right? The worship leader and their pride or just any human being and their pride. And one of the biggest lessons that I've had to learn was that I need to be able to recognize my gifts um, and my skills and see them as though they belong to somebody else. So what I mean is when someone says, hey, Julie, you're so great, I should be able to say thank you and just accept it and not allow it to kind of get to me because if we really believe that we are stewards and that this gift comes from God and it doesn't exist in me because of me or because I created it, but because there was a God who gave me the ability to steward it and the ability to um, develop it and use it, then it's not mine. So all the praise is channeled through this, uh, this detachment almost. Yeah. And so when I was able to take people's compliments or take people's praises and see my own gifts as though they belong to somebody else. And I can recognize it as not necessarily quite being my own. That was a huge liberating moment. I am in complete agreement. I think that's so good. Something I always tell our dance team, V3, is I'm always talking about God consciousness. Mm. And because we get self-conscious because the focus is us. And so when we're God conscious, everything, the focus, it all becomes Him. Right. And so like that true place of worship is when we don't care if people see us, but we also don't care if they don't, because either way, it's not about us. So like right. we get we get insecure, but that's also a form of pride because we're still making it about ourselves. And so then on the other hand, people think that those who love to bask in the glory, that that's the only side of pride, but both of it's pride, because either way, it's like... I care if you see me or I care if you don't see me. Either way, it's about us. And that's mm -hmm. like exactly what you're saying, which I th that made total sense. Yeah, thank you. I think that God consciousness is a really good way to see it too. Uh, removing the self from the, from the situation because worship really isn't about us anyway. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, while you guys are just speaking on that, um, my own personal like journey with art too, it's been kind of changing in the sense that I think when I first started to consider myself, okay, I'm making stuff, so I am an artist. There's this like huge part of yourself, um, and I think, Julie, you alluded to it, like the individualistic side. Like, I don't care if anyone likes it, I'm just gonna make it because that's what an artist does, right? 
but I'm realizing the more I sit with God and the more I let God shape how I view myself as an artist, you know, or as a child of God, like he, yeah, he puts that steward's heart where it's like, of course, you have something to express, but what you have to express is to serve others. And I feel like maybe that that's what sets us apart as, I don't want to put an adjective to it, like Christian creator, but if we do believe in God, there is also that aspect of, okay, yeah, there is, I don't want to have the fear of man where it dictates everything I make, but I do want to serve people and like bring beauty to people's lives, you know? So it's not just all about, I have something to say, you listen to me. It's like, hey, I want to do this for the community and I want to do this for my friends because I think it's good for them. And I think while you're saying that, it's just like, yeah, like having a servant's heart about making stuff is so important, I feel, as believers and children of God, you know? And I feel like that's yeah. not something that's talked about a lot in the Christian art world, I guess. I don't know, but... Yeah. So I I think the biggest word that I keep getting... Um, the more I, not, e- not even just like the longer I am doing art, but just the longer I am alive and the more I, I'm in seminary now. So the more I study the Bible, we, <laughs> everything is about the community. Like everything is about the people around us. Everything is about our, our relationship with the Lord. Yes. But how we relate to one another in the same way that God relates to us too, right? That that shared community is is so central and so much of the artist's life is isolated. So much of the artist's appeal is to be your own self, to do things for you, to speak your truth, right? And to just admire and be admired, right? To, to admire what you like and then to have people admire you for being you. And I, I know that's one way to see art. That's just not how I have chosen to see it myself. Kind of like what you said, Andy. Can you imagine if God was like, oh, I'm going to create this earth just for me. <laughs> I don't care if you guys don't like it. It's for me. <laughs> right? He would never do that. He, wow. The first thing he did was, or the first thing that the Bible tells us he did is he created a world. And then lastly, that world was not complete until he had someone of his own image there to share it with him. Mm-hmm. And he walked that earth. It says in the cool of the evening, God came down to walk alongside Adam and see what he made. And so I think art, yes, there are certain times when art is misunderstood at its time, but it, it still exists for a future community, right? Mm. It ex- exists for a subculture community too. I personally don't want to make my art about me and making myself feel good. That's how it started. It definitely was how I became comfortable, right? I didn't want to share what I didn't want to share. And I had certain stories I wanted to tell, but eventually I realized this is a burden. This is something that I would feel is kind of useless if it's not helping somebody else make the same kind of revelations or have the same kind of revelations that I had about the Lord, about life, about joy and sadness, etc. Because I, I think this is something that is really important. Um, mm-hmm. The church I'm currently going to, their their motto, like their um, belief, I guess not belief, like mission statement is mm-hmm. belong and become. And I feel like when mm-hmm. you're talking, that's that's something that was ringing in my head. Like you don't just become on your own or you can, but God never intended it to be that way where it's like you're just this like isolated individual, like kind of like a just like a wandering person, you know. And just like you're making art, but something yeah. about being in the thick of good community, it like makes you the person that God wants you to be as opposed to like, it's just me and God, you know, because I mean, I don't want to like take it like everywhere, but there are a lot of 
people, including myself, where I was like, why do I really need community? Like, why do I really need church? Like, I could just grow in God on my own. But like, literally, I think about it, and this is like the time we're living in now. It's still very new to be living in like an individualistic society because everything was so tribal. America, I'm not saying it strays away from that, but a little bit in terms of the spirit, it's all about what can I do and what can I secure. And I love that when you're talking and like when we're talking about art, it's like this thing where, yeah, like we want everyone to share it and we want everyone to get benefits from it, whether that be truth or whether that be like, like, like graphic design, very practical. You see something in a very practical way and you're like, wow, I understand it, you know? So I, I love looking at art that way. And I think there's so much more to glean. Like if you do think of art as, yeah, it is for me, it comes from my convictions, but in the end, I wanted to serve my community or my friends, my family. So yeah, thanks for kind of giving more perspective about that. Even Andy, as you were talking about like the importance of other people and not doing things alone, especially like artists and just creating by yourself. But I think about like production, whether it be movies or musicals, anything that requires a team, right? It's, it's art. And each person on the production team has a job. They all have their different aspects of things that they are specialized in. Somebody knows all about the lighting. Somebody knows the sound engineer knows all about the sound. And the whoever the director is, they, they know how to tie it all in together and they know how to delegate, right? And so, like, it's even that way in the body of Christ. That's why it's important to not be so alone or single-minded, even in your art and your worship, because as the body, we all need each other to work and to create a whole body, right? A thumb is not good on its own. It needs other fingers to become a hand. And just like artists, they also need each other, right? To When there's this big vision of like putting something together, they need each other for that too. Because not one person is just like, oh, I'm, I mean, unless you have a one-man show, which I've done that before. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But but as you were as you were speaking, Annie, like I like what you were saying, because that's what I was envisioning of mm-hmm. of how it all comes together and it's important to not be alone and single minded and mm. Yeah, Ariel, I think you bring up a really good point that it's not just art that needs to be done in community and received in community. I think you actually pointed to something much bigger. It's just a human condition. It's also the Christian condition to have to exist in community. Mm -hmm. And so as an artist, because you are first a human who happens to be an artist, um, it makes sense that then what you do, you, uh, your ideas come from other people, um, and that you create is for others. It just, that's the logic behind it. I don't think it's anything unique to art that makes you need others, but it's just the way we were designed. Okay, so I want to ask you about your journey with music. When it comes to music, what do you enjoy about it and what, what do you want out of it? I think... There's a biological answer to that too. I think music, like I learned somewhere, maybe in the psychology class, that music releases dopamines, right? And that's why we move to it. And that's why we're happier when we listen to music. Um, so there's something about music that controls us <laughs> biologically. <laughs> but I, <laughs> but I think also, um, 
there's something cultural about it too. Like where I grew up, like my family, it's, it was so normal for the adults to just be like, okay, bring out the kids, sing us a song, you know? <laughs> and, and so already growing up, I felt, I knew that there was something about music that brings people together. Cause it's one of the few times, um, we're all connected literally on the same note, on a word. We're all looking at the same thing. We're all feeling very similar things. And I think I loved that feeling of connection. Mm -hmm. Um, One of my favorite things in the world, and this is like across foods, it includes everything that I love, like the different places that I've been, the different foods that I've eaten. But my one of my favorite things is hearing corporate worship. Um, yeah. And even when you're on stage, you can't quite hear it well until you disengage with your own mic and you're just like, immersed in the sound and when you do there's a roaring you know and and for me I feel like I can feel it in my throat but also like in in my gut you know and and I just feel so integrated at that moment physically but also emotionally spiritually (laughs) that's how I grew up loving music because of literally the way it made me feel (laughs) and I feel like I feel like most artists start there where it's like they experience something like for me Mm -hmm. like I watch a movie and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've never felt this inspired before. And, I, you, you, and you're like, oh, I want to I give that too. If mm-hmm. I can like, you know, so I feel, I feel like there's something there too. When you experience something, like if you don't ex- like have like that experience, I'm not going to say like your desire to give that to people isn't as big, but there's something there too. Like, oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I felt that. That was amazing. And I want to give that to some pe- people like somehow as well. So yeah. I think that makes complete sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think God uses those initial desires and those feelings to get us going. And along the way, he refines us and shows us the truth about his true intention. I mean, I bring Joseph up all the time, I feel like, but like he originally had this dream. And at first you think how how self-glorifying, like you just want your brothers to bow down (laughs) to you and like... And but that kind of God used that right to get him going, and along the way, God refined him. And so, like sometimes I think like we have these dreams, and and they may be what get our right foot in front of the other, but along the way, God shows us as, as long as we're tuned into Him, and He refines our motives and shows us, you know, the way He wants it to look. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. This is might be a heavy one, but I want you to be as specific as you can. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> what is your biggest fear about being an artist? Uh, my biggest fear, I think on a practical level, I fear being poor. <laughs> but <laughs> on a more existential level, um, I fear failure often um and I feel and I fear uh being misunderstood a lot um and yeah can we end it there (laughs) 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 no I'm just kidding I'll keep going uh failure I think that is a very standard thing for all of us to fear right I'm just I'm so scared that sometimes pursuing art can be a selfish thing, right? Because the way our parents kind of had to live life was there's no time for luxuries. There's no time to sit and think about how this, 
how the moonlight makes you feel, you know, like go to sleep so you can get up for work the next morning. It was that kind of immigrant hustle mentality, you know? And a part of me is like, can I really afford to just sit here and write because I feel like it? Can I afford to go see nice places because it stimulates stories in me? Like there's that. And then with that comes the pressure of, okay, that I, that I better not fail, right? This better be worth it. Um, yeah, that's one big fear that I have. But the other fear is the fear of being misunderstood. Because I'm always in this constant, I, I feel very divided between, like we were saying earlier, um, being true to yourself. Because I might have a sight and a vision, a way of seeing something that someone else might not agree with. Um, and I'm, I want to stick by my conviction because I do believe that the way I see things, and I've been shut down many times, I've, especially among Christians, for believing a certain thing or thinking about something a certain way. And I'm often misunderstood and I, I want to stick by my guns and say, no, I, I, I promise that there is something to this. But at the other, on the other end of the spectrum, I wonder how often I'm right when everyone else is wrong. You know, after a certain time, I wonder, maybe I'm just wrong. I can 110% feel that I am right. But if everyone around me is saying you're wrong, that, that should be cause for me to stop and, and reevaluate and reassess. And so I, I'm very much caught between these things often. Um, I have certain ideas about love that everyone who's married says is really stupid, right? Or everyone who has, who is in a relationship says, not everyone, but people around my family, right? Korean American women or just Korean women think is really stupid. But I'm like, I really have this conviction that love is supposed to be about this. Um, and I, I, I feel like though, because everyone is saying that I should listen to them. That is the wise thing to do. But what is wisdom? Is that, is that what's wise or is what's, or is faith wise to think that maybe I should trust the process that brought me to this conclusion, right? And that I should trust the experiences that brought me to this conclusion. And there's really no right or wrong answer to this question. It's just all gray area. And I feel like I'm so caught between these two ends. And that is what often makes me feel very misunderstood because I live with my full self immersed in both. Um, the individualistic kind of, I do see things differently and people do often misunderstand me. But then with, in addition to the, I want to let the people around me shape me. Because what is the point of my life if I feel good about myself, but I'm useless to the people around me, you know? And so a lot of times, <laughs> this answer is getting a lot longer than I intended it to. I think my fear of being misunderstood is that people think I'm too much of an individualist when really my heart's desire is just to be useful for the people that I love. But then on the other end, listening too much to other people that I lose sight of what I feel that I was born to say and born to do. Um, that conflict within me is, is pretty intense and it's, it's a daily battle. It's, it's a, yeah, it happens all the time. No, thank you for that. Because yeah. the reason why I want to ask you that question is because I think there's a lot of, there's so much oversaturation of questions about like, oh yeah, what's your biggest fear as A, B, C. But I think um, a lot of times we don't really get into the nitty gritty of every person's fears. Like we just kind of stop at like, oh, like I'm scared because like, what if I don't make enough money? But there's like a question behind that question. There's a fear behind that. Like if you like really analyze it more, maybe you'll like overcome it 
faster or like maybe like you'll understand it more as opposed to it's just a mysterious fear like I'm gonna always have it you know so I'm, I'm happy that you gave like such a like specific <laughs> answer because I feel like it's gonna it's gonna motivate others who are listening to this podcast to be like hey maybe I can process a little more and think about what I am really afraid of of yeah. being a creator of an artist you know and then so but thank you for that and I think it's really relatable what you said because I think everybody has that inner war between wanting to stand out and be different and show the world that they're different and also blend in you know and be accepted and not mm -hmm. have anyone come up against how what they believe or think right I, I mean at least I believe that that's an internal struggle that I have and I feel like most people have that you mm -hmm. know so I really like I like that you said that because I think that'll give some relief to people maybe that they're not the only ones that feel like that yeah, yeah <laughs> you're definitely not <laughs> we're all out there <laughs> yeah yeah okay so I want to know how have other aspects of who you are shaped the artist inside of you so when I was listening to one of the videos, I believe it's on your website, you talk about uh, being Korean and also being a woman. So I want to know mm -hmm. how those other parts of you have shaped the artist inside of you. I don't know that they have shaped me. I, I think they are so fundamental to me that it's beyond like a hand that comes in to shape what I have to say. I think it's more of like the channel that I speak through. I don't know how to be anything else. I think as a Korean American woman, I do like to share a lot of immigrant stories. I love to focus on the stories between children and parents, um, small encounters, right? Um, for example, the time I went to the bank account to open, no, the bank account, the time I went to the bank to try to open a bank account, and it just turned into a whole debacle because no one was understanding. I was nine years old at the time, but I wanted a bank account for some reason. Um, they didn't have anyone who spoke Korean. My parents and I were just there, like, not really knowing what to do. Um, and then us being, just leaving very discouraged, right? But what I wanted to tell, with, when I see a story like that in my head, what I see is not just an incident. What I see is... Um, immigrant people's inabilities to do very regular things, but also the way that children and parents sometimes switch roles, right? The the sense of responsibility we have over one another, the roles that we have to play in the larger society. So I, I think that is one of the ways as um, the particularities of my life tell me have shaped certain experiences so that I tell a certain kind of story. It also makes me very... It also gives me a heart that kind of bleeds for um, these ordinary experiences that feel ordinary because they happen all the time or because they happen in silence. But, you know, they, they shape the lives of a lot of families and, and destroy relationships, too. And mm. and over time, they become very burdensome. Yeah. I think as you're talking... Um I think of there's like a style of filmmaking it's called verite and it's like it's like a word to convey like looking at life like looking at life and how it is just how it is right and um yeah a lot of I, I would say indie films um that are coming out it's a lot of verite filmmaking where it's just like it shows very 
ordinary part, like ordinary scenes, but it's chock full of like context and it said something, right? And I feel like when you were talking about that, it's very important to write these stories and to transmit these stories because I feel like it also teaches how teaches us how to see. Like, cause I think a lot of times, like, of course, when we get older, we start getting more discernment. And we when we see certain things happen in life, we're like, we kind of get more of the context. But I think like art is so great um, because it teaches us to pay attention to like really what's going on in the world out there. And when you're talking about like the, the, the opening a bank account, that's what I was thinking about. Like, yeah, I think art is amazing because it has that ability to open our eyes to things that we normally don't take into account. I don't know. I just want to add that somewhere there. Yeah. yeah. And it slows things down for us, right? It forces us to pay attention um, in ways that we no- normally wouldn't with time that we probably wouldn't give to a situation like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, Julie, as you're talking, mm-hmm. I don't want to change subject too much. I just wanted to go a little bit into like what you were talking about. Um so I totally understand like the passion for immigration. My dad, my dad's family, they're all immigrants from Mexico. And I I tend to get very passionate about that stuff too, but I don't really talk about it a lot because sometimes it's hard to talk about it without it getting too political. But so I I admire this boldness that you have to to speak about these things that are very near and dear to you about immigration and so with how does what does being bold look like to you because I see you and I feel like there's just like not a fear in talking about this you're just very like let's go for it (laughs) would you say that you're bold no (laughs) I wouldn't say that I would girl I'm just kidding yeah I mean I never um I I don't think I ever took it as a bold or not bold thing. Um, I am, I, I do get very scared. I think people sometimes don't see that part of me, but I, I do calculate the ways, you know, that this could all come back and hurt me, you know, I, and you kind of have to, when you're raised in the, as an undocumented immigrant, and especially as a woman, as, as a little girl, like you are told that there is a lot to be afraid of in the world. And so I've never really lost that part of me, but I think my, I think the opportunity cost feels a little high. I feel that my fear is just somewhat eclipsed, not somewhat, is heavily eclipsed by the need for voices, by the need for um, someone who's going to stand in the gap, whether it be about immigration or whether it be about anything else, right? Um, I just, I think the need is too great for me to turn a blind eye to sometimes. Mm. Um, I don't know if you guys, um, I love the, the, I love Jeremiah in the Bible. There's something he says that in the book that has never made more sense to me. Um, and nothing else has made more sense to me than this phrase. Like I just feel it in my gut. And he says, um, why did you choose me? And I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. It's for dramatic effect. He says, God, why did you choose me? You could have chosen anybody, but you chose me. And you, and he says, you seduced me into following you and loving you. And I, and I, I kind of hate it. But when I stop, when I put an end to it, everything in my body cries out for you. 
and my, my feel like my bones are on fire because I have to say what you have given me to say. Mm. And that was the moment I was like, that's what I'm feeling because I hate that. I want to say these things. I hate that a lot of times, you know, I'm the person who leaves the conversation with everyone talking behind my back. Like I know that happens. I feel it. Um, Every time I share about this stuff publicly, I always get, I, I get a lot of praise, but I also get a lot of people who say really terrible things, who say they're going to call ICE or, you know, who tell people like, you need to learn how to control your woman. You know, I've heard all of that before, but I also know what it feels like to walk away from a situation knowing I should have said something yeah. and I didn't, mm. knowing that I missed the opportunity um, to defend somebody, to defend myself, to defend my parents, you know, to defend an entire people. So I am, I'm not bold. I get very scared. I think I just feel a lot more, um, I just feel the need to speak more than I feel my fear in the moment. So you're not bold, but you're brave. (laughs) I guess, yeah. (laughs) Oh, I like that. I like that. Thank you. By the grace of God. You can have fear and still be brave. (laughs) Yes. I agree. I I stand with you, girl. I want to be your friend because <laughs> I, I feel the exact same way. Sometimes I walk out of like meetings, even board meetings or just wherever, and I'm like, oh, I sh- Ariel, like you shouldn't have talked so much. But I, I can't help it because it's like I can't – more than that, I hate walking away feeling like I should have said this. Mm-hmm. There are things it's like, no, I, I have to say this. I, I, I feel like I'm shutting up the Lord, if I don't say this, I have to, I have to say what I feel like you put on my heart, even, even if it may not always be a hundred percent wrong. Uh, I mean, a hundred percent right. But if I feel like it's him and like, oh no, I need to say this, then I'm going to say it. Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. feel you. Yeah. And I think there are certain, I've learned how to be refined in this thing too, because not everything that I I think should be said. I de- that's definitely not the case. Yeah. Um, but when it comes to issues of injustice that the Bible is so clearly for, yeah. um, you know, oppressing the immigrant, oppressing the migrant, like the Bible is so clear about that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so when it comes to things like that, very fundamental issues that we all should be on the same page about, I, I do tend to get a little vocal. Yeah. Exactly. You're brave. I like it. (laughs) Yeah. um, I think that actually does segue and tie into my question pretty well. Like we're talking about the the topic of speaking up and Mm -hmm. using our words. Right. And Mm -hmm. I I see that for you, Julie, like there's something about words that you really love because you love to write. You love to sing and write lyrics. Right. You lecture. Right. Which is literally (laughs) you're like saying words to people. Right. Um, but yeah, what is it about words that you're so drawn to? I don't know what it, I don't know where the origins are, but I do know that there are a lot of benefits that I have with that because like, I love, it makes me love the Bible. It makes me love that God chose to reveal himself. I mean, first as a, as a man, you know, through Jesus Christ, but also that the generations he chose to reveal himself through words. Mm. Um, I love that people reveal themselves through words too. And yeah, I I don't know how how that answers your question because I haven't been able to really trace where it comes from. Um, but I think there's something very wordy about God too. 
right? He loves words. I mean, tell, think about it. He introduces himself as I am that I am. Now, I did like the, the grammatical mapping of this. And it's a really crazy phrase. I'm like, who comes up with this? Like, I've, I am that I am <laughs> as a name means it doesn't matter. I am because I exist. Mm-hmm. I exist in my own existence. I am yeah. that I am. Like, my name is that I exist. Like, I'm the thing. I'm the real deal. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> like, yeah. It's just, yeah. So I think God himself um, has such a way with words. Um, he is the word, girl. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes, and the word yeah. existed with God, right? So yeah. there's something very spiritual and something very mm. divine about words that yeah. um, that I've been on the pursuit of. Yeah. Um, before seminary, you know, before it was like the study of theology, it was like literally the study of language and literature um, mm. in English. So... <laughs> I don't know how yeah. to answer that other than to say I to affirm that I do in fact love words. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I I want to affirm you as well. Like I think you're like one of the types of people that I would describe as wow. She like puts words to what I'm feeling, or like she gives me clarity to maybe what I'm feeling. You know, like I've been mm-hmm. feeling this way, but she puts it in such a way where oh, like yeah, now I can say that to others, and maybe that can help other people. So you wow. give a lot of, like, you give a lot of clarity, you know, like bring a lot of clarity. And maybe that's why, maybe that's the reason why you love to teach as well. You know, that you want to give people that sense of like, yeah, maybe this is what you're feeling or maybe this is what you're thinking about. And I think it's great that you do that. Thank so, yeah. you. all right well that we're wrapping it up so that's it for today julie thank you so much for joining us and for everything you shared with us i personally really enjoy talking to you i like i like someone who stimulates my brain conversationally that's awesome and for those of you listening in thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you next time